This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Amen. Wow. I want to ask you to take your seats as we proceed this afternoon. Our assignment is to share on a call to maturity. Amen. In the word of the year 2020, on page 4, it states, this will be the time for the mature sons of God to begin to see their assignments more clearly. Roles at every level of life, commerce, society, and relationships will be affected. There will be amongst the body of Christ, Daniels, Josephs, Deborahs, Esthers, that will begin to arise. It will not be a time to keep silent, but a season to speak forth. It may even appear that there will be a risk to reputation, family, or even life itself. This is the power of true transformation. Speaking and walking in the truth that is spoken. I want to say today as we speak about a call to maturity. A call to maturity is a call to walk in love. It's a call to walk in unity. It's a call to sacrifice. Maturity does not come with age, but with the acceptance of responsibility. And a call to maturity is a call to a process of growing up into who God has created us to be. God states that the starting place for walking to maturity is the need to correct the relationship between parents and their children. I remember I I, I saw a book in um, Worldwide called Sonship, the Key to Destiny. And when Pastor Randy was speaking today, and he was saying how we are being shaped to be the perfect key to unlock what needs to be unlocked, I just want to say I believe very strongly that this message on sonship and maturity is part of the refinement that needs to happen to each and every one of us for where God is taking us. Amen. So in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, if you put the scripture up, hallelujah. It says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. The word of 2020 again, Pastor Tom said that we must prophetically and governmentally call for Malachi 4 verse 6 to take effect. We need to encourage the intergenerational engagement. God wants the parent-child relationship to be healed before we regain the dominion that we lost in the Garden of Eden. And the sages tell us that there was 400 years of prophetic silence before God introduced uh, Jesus Christ to Mother Earth to model to us the correct father-son relationship. And so we look at transgenerational vision. Even why should this relationship be healed? As has been said in Malachi, why does God want that relationship healed? And this is because the first vision that the son must manifest comes from the father. When God gives a vision to a father, he gives it to the father and heaven for that vision to be clearly handed down so that generations can advance the family vision. God promised Abraham to give him the promised land. Then he promised Isaac to give him the same piece of land. Then he promised Jacob to give him the same piece of land. 
And a thousand years later, God raises up Moses to fulfill that promise. Moses commissioned Joshua to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Today, the children of Israel who are in the promised land, they base their rights to that land from the promise that God made to their patriarch, Abraham. They see it as a promise which was made to them. But unfortunately, or fortunately, we know now that life is a relay and not a marathon. Life is a relay and not a marathon. I'll just ask to put the next slide up. Hallelujah. You can see in that slide, there's a relay. And there's a father who is handing the baton to their child. The father is running. But I see the child is running faster than, than the father. It says, if you have a child, biological or not, boy child or girl child, pass the baton to them. Don't let them have to start from scratch, but rather pick up from where you left off. Give them the best education, not just formal education to university, but also handed down wisdom, life lessons, informal truths, honorable ones who came, honorable family traditions, tried and tested principles and values. Let the ones who came after you go further than you. Have a clean handover. I think this therein is our challenge. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because since the vision fulfillment is transgenerational and every generation must run its portion of the race with purpose for the sake of subsequent generations, it means there must be a handing over of the baton. Unfortunately, immature parents refuse to hand over the baton and try to run the race all the way to the finished line or be eating crutches or be eating wheelchairs or be eating their 90s. All the while they're doing that, they must actively refuse and deny their children the baton because in their eyes, they are the best answers to the fulfillment of the vision. And yet many tragedies arise out of those parents who run marathon. Number one, they do not raise successors to continue with the vision, condemning their children to the curse of starting from scratch in life once again. This minimizes the chance of a generation fulfilling its mandate as they can't build on what was already built before. They refuse, number two, to give subsequent generations a shoulder to stand on, denying them a chance to see further and do more. Mature parents enjoy seeing their children taking business which they started to heights they never thought possible because they have shared their sources of success and failure. So subsequent generations start at an advantage. Immature parents keep their hands in the cookie jar and in the process they fail to protect the inheritance for children and grandchildren. This you can call financial indiscipline. As they get older and less productive with their health deteriorating, they start liquidating assets for their own sustenance, leaving only a shell of what once was the thriving business. They chase the children away from the family vision as they block every opportunity for them to participate and contribute effectively to the family vision. So what are the roles of mature sons and daughters towards the grand vision? Mature transgenerational children have a mindset to protect and defend the family name. If your father is a farmer, mature children say, our farm. If your father is a rancher, mature children say, our, our ranch, our cattle, our sheep, our goats. 
They see themselves as agents to grow the family inheritance. They position themselves to defend the family estate. Psalm 127, reading verses 3 to 5, if you can bring it up. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy. Like a warrior's fist full of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You will sweep them off right off your doorstep. Hallelujah. Parents have needs and parents have battles to fight, which they're involved in. The Bible says mature parents know how to release children to defend the family vision. And mature children are ready to be released at the gates to fight the family battles. Many immature children have the mindset that I want to do my own thing without even first understanding who or what their family vision or values are. They cannot defend or protect a vision they do not understand. God wants them to be concealed in the family so they can go through a time of preparation, learning from their mentors, their parents. Mature children faithfully serve the family vision until they are too big to be constrained. As the children serve the parents, they increase in value to their parents, and their parents release a parental blessing over those children. So, for this relationship to grow, there must be a recognition and a submission by the children. But how do the children gain this recognition of the value of the family vision? Mature parents mentor their children. So the children start life placing a value on parent-child relationships and recognizing that to maintain a strong bond in the journey called life is the way for you to receive even the vision that your father is carrying for his family and generations after him. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus put it this way. He said, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Jesus did not suffer obeying his Father. He enjoyed obeying his Father. Because he knew that in obeying his Father, in there was his destiny. Hallelujah. Jesus recognized to accomplish his destiny, he needed to do his father's will. He only does what he sees his father do. We can only do this to our lives by starting out in life doing only what we see our parents do. We should obey them and honor them as parents. And this is the starting point of maturity. As our hearts are turned to our parents, we follow them as we learn their vision and values in life. We are to submit to them and learn directly what they teach us about who we are as a family. We submit to their authority over our lives as we recognize that they hold the family vision which they have received from the Lord. The word submission is made out of two words. The first word sub means under, and mission means mission. So the word submission means that you are in submission. You are operating under the mission of your father, which is the mission of the big family vision. Through submission, we open ourselves to be mentored by our parents for our own development. And our mentorship can be through instruction or it can be through an intimate relationship with our parents. 
But as we begin to mature and understand the, the importance of being closely uh, related to our fathers, we begin to abandon our own vision and pursue to fulfill the vision of our father. When I say sons, I mean sons and daughters. When I say father, I mean parents. So this is a sacrifice when a child fulfills the father's vision. This is a sacrifice for a season, but God honors that. While working to fulfill the father's vision, they are being prepared to fulfill their own vision in the fullness of time. Even when they sense that they have a calling, they should wait for the time that when they pursue their vision, both their vision and the grand family vision will continue to flourish. Abandonment results from a revelation that a father carries a dimension of the son's vision. God therefore expects that a part of the vision given to the father is fulfilled by generations after the father. If the child does not focus completely on fulfilling the bigger family vision for a season, they will suffer from division, two visions, and they will not succeed well in fulfilling either vision. The story of Jesus in the temple at the age of 12 years is a learning point, a case in point for us. Um, the scripture that is going up is Luke chapter 2, verse 48 to 52. But I want to put it in context. When Jesus was 12 years old, Mary and Joseph took him to Jerusalem during a feast. After the feast, they were walking back home, and three days later, they checked. They, they thought Jesus was among some of the children. Three days later, he was, they found he wasn't there. So they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. They find him in the temple. And so we pick up the story when Mary and Joseph find Jesus in the temple. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why are you looking for me? Do, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. Jesus had a greater calling than Mary and Joseph. He knew that he was to be in his father's house. But scripture says he submitted to Mary and Joseph. And he spent 18 years working as a carpenter in the family business. Submission to a family business vision is not about anointing. It's about order. You may feel you have a greater anointing than your parents, but order demands that at the time you should submit to the family vision, you submit to the family vision. Had Jesus started ministering at 12 years, it was premature because John the Baptist, his forerunner, had not started ministering yet. He would have had no forerunner. Jesus had to submit to a time of preparation while in his earthly father's house until the time was right for him to launch out. The Bible says in verse 52, during that time he grew in wisdom. He grew in stature and in favor with God and with men. Jesus grew during the 18 years of preparation, submitted to his parents. I want to say you will grow if you submit yourself to your parents in this manner. Hallelujah. Tragically, many children leave home and family vision too early and they meet with many challenges. 
The prodigal son is an example. He ended up looking after pigs. But at some point, he matured. And this is what a mature son is, a, mature, a more mature prodigal son, what he ended up saying. The Bible says when he came to himself, when he came to his senses, when he came to his mind, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise. He is speaking. I will arise. What do mature sons say? If they have estranged themselves from their parents, they say, I will arise and I will go to my father. And I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Pastor Tom was telling us that the sons are coming home. The sons are coming home. He said, you must be ready with an embrace. You must be ready with an embrace. Not too many questions. Embrace the sons as they are coming home. God is calling them home back to their fathers. Hallelujah. There's a warm embrace waiting for you if you return to your father and be reconciled to him. You may have left your father, father's house ungraciously. Do what the prodigal son did. Go back and submit to your parents. Go back and establish unity with your siblings. Jesus even demonstrated his abandonment to the Father's vision by the words he spoke in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, verse 39. And the Bible says, And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I can hear you saying, going back to my father is hard. Going back to my father now is a sacrifice. Going back to my siblings is hard. Going back to my siblings is a sacrifice. But Jesus also said that dying on the cross is a sacrifice. But maturity demanded that he did it. And maturity is demanding for you that you take those first steps of going back to your father and going back to your siblings. I can even say Jesus is abandoned to the fulfillment of the Father's vision, even to toward to the sacrifice of death. In our trials, in our families, we have not yet been tested to the point of shedding our blood. Hallelujah. If you are not faithful to that which is another man's, how can God give you your own? And what a great thing to start to be faithful about the Father's vision, the family vision, the grand vision. And God will give you your own. So if you abandon yourself to the family vision, you become very valuable to your father. Your father will begin to open his heart to you. And he'll begin to release some secrets to you. Secrets about how he succeeded. Secrets about how he failed. And as your father recounts his secrets, you will begin to see some areas where you see a weakness in your father. You may even see areas where you see a nakedness in your father. What is the father's nakedness? It's anything that your father is ashamed of, which should not be made public for the whole world to see. What does a mature son or daughter do when you see such nakedness in your father? The answer is covering. A mature son covers the father. A mature son covers the family. A mature son covers the parents. A mature son covers the business. A mature son covers the organization. A mature son covers the country. Covering is critical. It is based on honor. 
a parent's need a covering when something has happened which he or she is ashamed about and would not like it to be made public. A typical biblical story about covering is the story of Noah in Genesis chapter 9, reading from verse 21 to 23. One day, Noah drank some wine he had made, and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Harm the father of Canaan, so that his father was naked, and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way, so they would not see him naked. Hallelujah. It is a great test of maturity when you see the nakedness of your father to be able to rise up and cover him. It's a test of maturity to rise up and say, I don't want to expose my father's nakedness. When Noah woke up and discovered what Ham had done, he said, cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves, he will be to his brothers. Canaan is one of Ham's sons. So Ham uncovers his father's nakedness and Noah curses Canaan, his son. Canaan starts out in life cursed because they are the immaturity of Ham, because of the immaturity of Ham, who had exposed his father's nakedness. Noah also said, worthy of praise is the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God enlarge Japheth's territory and numbers. We see that Noah's weaknesses became the source of blessing for the two sons who chose to cover him. And yet the same nakedness became the source of curse to the son who chose to expose his nakedness. Children who cover their families and organizations, they say things like, I am doing this to defend the family name. I'm doing this to defend the organization. It has no immediate direct benefits to me personally, but I have to defend the family name. The family name may end up in disrepute. I will arise and defend it. The above represents a serious sacrifice, but it comes with an amazing blessing. A mature child is an assignment to fix the results of his father's weakness. He does not condone them, but in the midst of the weakness, he can fix them. Is your father naked right now? Is your father hungry? Is your father sick? Is your father in debt? A mature son will say something like, let me see what I can do, father. And every time God wants to promote a child, he will create a need in his father's life. I want to exhort you, arise and cover your father and see the blessing of the Lord upon you. This is a sacrifice. And so we want to look at legacy. Mature parents think about legacy. The dictionary defines legacy as something left or handed down by a predecessor. And the Microsoft thesaurus says a legacy is an inheritance or a heritage, a birthright, a gift, money, or a donation. But for purposes of our session today, we want to say we would like to define legacy as a dream, a piece of a vision and values that parents pass on to the next generation to fulfill. Maybe you are building an inheritance for your children and your business has collapsed and now you can't see what you can hand over to them physically. But you can hand over to them a vision. You can hand over to them family values. You can hand over to them these things and they are more valuable 
even than material things. You can end a business and within a short time, a child without a vision and without values can, can, can run it to the ground. Dr. Miles Munro once said, success is not what happens when you are alive, it is what happens when you are gone. And I heard Dr. Miles saying, and Pastor Randy said it as well, success without a successor is a failure. And Pastor Tom always says to us, your success is only seen in who your grandchildren and great-grandchildren become. That's where we can tell your success. So this makes it vitally important for mature parents to prepare the grandchildren while they are still alive and strong. Not to speak as their last words on their deathbed. We know many times at funerals, people are asking, what were the last words he said on his deathbed? What did he say? And you are looking at someone who says, he didn't speak very clearly, but I think this is what he said. You had a whole lifetime to share vision. You had a whole lifetime to share values. Why wait for the sick bed? Why wait when on the, on the day of your death? Hallelujah. Proverbs 13, verse 22, this is what it says. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid out for the righteous. Your legacy is far more than material things. It is the vision and values that represent who you are. So how do you, how do mature people ensure that they live a healthy legacy? I want to start by sharing with you that it is hard work. It is hard work. So I will just uh, come to a close. So there are three distinct spaces in life. Uh, the first one is the time of preparation. You are, you are being mentored by your parents. The second thing is a season when you manifest your own destiny. And the third season is the season for succession. In the season for succession, you are preparing your sons and daughters to be able to carry on your, your vision and your values after you. So you are mentoring them. So in this season of succession, there are three stages that I want to share very briefly because I think um, even as I come to a close, number one, you must create a model lifestyle of collaboration and unity between your sons and daughters. Let your children enjoy collaborating and working together while you are still alive. Number two, you need to mentor successors in your vision and values. And number three, you need to create a structure to manage your legacy. And this can be the family trust. And finally, you need to emily businesses, organizations and corporations and churches and, and, and nations. They are even left by previous generations without any leadership in structure. Then what happens is that everyone is trying to fit in, but without harmony. This causes problems and always kills the vision. This creates a breeding ground for sibling rivalry, manifesting selfishness and greed in the distribution of the family inheritance. Jesus speaking finally in John chapter 17, verse 21. He said, I wish Father praying that they are one. Father, even as we are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. When Jacob died, Jacob's brothers, uh, Joseph's brothers went to, to Joseph and said, our father said, maybe Joseph will want to revenge because of what we did. They came to Joseph and they said, our father said, when, when you die, maybe you want to revenge. But this is what Joseph said. Don't be afraid. Do I act for God? 
Don't you see you plant evil against me, but God used those same plants for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people. Verse 21, easy now. You have nothing to fear. I will take care of you and your children. He reassured them, speaking with them heart to heart. May God speak to you to be able to go to your siblings for everything that they did wrong to you in the suffering that they may be going through to say, don't worry, I'll be there for you and for your children and begin to build those mature relationships. Strong families build strong, strong marriages build strong families, strong families build strong churches, strong churches build strong communities and strong communities build strong nations. Let's start bringing strength into our families by operating in unity. I want to invite Pastor Ellington Jack, who will take us for the next phase of this uh, session this afternoon. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this uh, afternoon. Oh, yes, thank the Lord this afternoon. Father, we thank you once again for the anointing of sonship in the house. We thank you that, Father, you are a faithful God in our lives. In this season, Father, where creation is waiting for the manifest of the sons of God. We call unto you this afternoon, oh my God, for you say in Romans 10, verse 13, whosoever shall call unto the name of Jesus shall be saved. We have got sons and daughters who have run away from home. But this afternoon, oh my God, we call unto you, oh God, that they may hear the word of the Lord and come back home. For sons and daughters of the Most High God are quivers in the one who has got them in his, in his, in his house, oh God. May they come back home to finish the assignment that God has given them right now. For we know that we are sons. We have given authority, oh God, upon all principalities, powers, and might. We have given the power, Father, to bind and to loose all the imaginations, the thoughts that exalt itself about the name of Jesus Christ. The tonight, this season, oh God, prodigal sons, we see them coming back. They are coming back to take over from where their fathers left, oh God. This relay is happening once again. There is a revival coming in our nation. There is a revival coming in our church. Father, in the name of Jesus, not by mighty nor by power, but by the spirit of the living God, we thank you for the sons that are coming. In the name of our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, yes, thank the Lord for what he's doing in this season. Hallelujah. You can stand. I think our time is up. We can, you can stand so that we can, we can, we can, we can pray. Here's the deal. The Bible says in Ephesians, in, in, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul is writing and saying, I am going to pray for my children. Until Christ has been birthed inside of them. For this unit to happen in our families, we need to pray for it. We have got imaginations that exalt itself above the vision of God. Our God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What am I saying? Pastor has been saying, we have got authority to bind and then to loose. We want to bind the spirit of disobedience and then we release the spirit of obedience 
We want to bind the spirit of subjecting authority and release the spirit of submission. Hallelujah. There are some sons and daughters that have run home. But this more evening, we want to pray and call them home. Could we not going to rest until Christ is formed inside of them? The prodigal sons have gone. But as we start to prevail and we start to pray, Christ is going to form inside of them. They are going to come back to their senses. Hallelujah. Also for fathers, we want to pray for fathers. That when the sons are coming back home, they will be able to receive them. Like the father of the prodigal son, he had to look for the great, for the best animal. So we want to pray for every son, whether in your house, in the church, in the nation of Zimbabwe, who has gone astray. Could this evening we bind the mind-binding spirit, the hard heart, we bind it, and we release the spirit of obedience. Why did you open your mouth and start to pray? Father, we thank you once again. This evening, oh my God, we pray for every prodigal son. We have gone astray, oh God, in our families. We bind the spirit of disobedience, oh God. And we release the spirit of obedience, oh God. You are giving them a new heart. We are giving them a new heart, oh God. You are softening the heart in the name of Jesus. You said the heart of kings are in your head. Heart. You direct them like a water course. We decree right now, oh God the reign of God, the understanding of God, they are coming back to their senses in the name of Jesus. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10 said, See of this day, said the over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to overthrow, to build and to plant. My dear fellow saints, we want to pursue our children that have gone astray. We want to pursue them right now. We want to pull down their reasoning. We want to pull down their hard hearts and plant down a soft heart. Father, we thank you this afternoon once again. We release your anointing right now, oh God. Oh, he said you are restoring the hearts of the fathers to their sons in the name of Jesus. I speak right now in the name of Jesus, for we have been given authority, O oh God. For we know we are sons of God. When we pray, He hears us. They're coming, they're coming. They're coming, they're coming. See them coming in the name of Jesus. You know what the Bible says? In 2 Samuel, chapter 23, verse 8. Verse 8. It says, these are the names of the mighty men of David. The Taconite that sat in the chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Ezanite. He lifted up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. I believe God is raising sons in this season. He's raising mighty men of God. Who's, who says, with God I can leap over Judas. With God I can take on a troop. He's raising mighty men of God. I see them coming right now. I see them coming to their father's house. I see them coming back to cell group. I see them coming back to church in the name of Jesus. 
Verse 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ohanite, one of the 300 men with David. When they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone astray. There are some battles that we have failed, but they are waiting for those sons that have gone away. We have gone sons. The devil does not look at the West, but he look at the best. When Nebuchadnezzar went to attack Israel, he looked for the best sons with knowledge, with understanding, with the wisdom. But this morning we are praying, this evening we are praying that those guys who have gone back, they should come to their position. They should take their position. They should take their position in the name of Jesus. Verse 11. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Harare. Do I have your Harare this morning, this evening? Do I have people from Harare this evening? Do I have people from Harare this evening? Do I have people from Harare this morning? From several Christian church, from the body of Christ. The suns are rising. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. We are praying this evening. There's something that was stolen by the devil. But we are saying there are sons that God is rising this evening. There are devils that have failed to bind. But there are sons that are called, that are coming back to assist us. Verse 14. And David was, was then in a hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one will give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. There are warfare, there are situations, there are inheritance that you have failed to tap into our families. But you are saying, That son, that son, that daughter that you have gone astray, the Lord loves him. He is coming to bring water for us. Hallelujah. Verse 20, verse 18, and Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruah, he was chief among them, and he lifted up his spear against the 300, and he slew them, and had the name among the three. Father, we thank you, God, that you are raising men of stature, you are raising men of God, who are giving the face of a flint that you would navigate in terrain. You are giving them hind feet of God to defeat a troop. Araba satire. Honorable Shekeremos. Verse 20. And the Peniah, the son of Joan, the son of a valiant Kepels, we had done a mighty acts. You slew a lion man, a lion like man of Moab. He went also and he drew a lion in the midst of a pit in a slow, in a temple. How can a man do that? How can a son do that? But we are saying in this season of God, where sons are being raised, who shall do signs, miracles and wonders, raising the dead. For we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. Pastor Tom said, 
Remember the Bible says, His promises are yes and amen. Your amen will determine this evening. Do you really believe that God can raise your son and reach what you have never done in a generation? Judges 5, verse 7 to 8, 6 to 7. And in the days of Shamka, the son of Anat, in the days of Chao, the highways were occupied and the travelers walked through the byways. The highways were, were unoccupied. What is it that is dead in your life? But tonight we pray, oh God, that you are raising a son and a daughter. And verse 7 says, the inhabitants of the village ceased. The inhabitants of the village ceased. They're no more longer. People who are staying here, people are going all over. Until that I, I Deborah, arose. Where are the Deborahs this evening? Where are the Deborahs this evening? To pray for our nation, to pray for your family. Women, are you here tonight? You must rise. You must rise. The Bible says, the seed of a woman shall crush the heart of a serpent. You are raising the Deborahs, oh God. We are raising the Esthers who said, if you perish, who perish, oh God. Praying for that son who is in trust. Praying for that son in the name of Jesus. Arabasata, Erebos, Inananabos. Verse 12 said, Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, Elijah. Awake, awake, Joseph. Awake, awake. Kurabasataya. Hanarabasay, Terebos. The Bible says, I will shake the heavens in our guy. I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the kingdoms of darkness. I will destroy the strength of the kingdom of heaven. Father, we thank you this evening, oh God, that our sons are coming back home. In the name of Jesus, even those that have excluded in our wills, oh God, even us as parents, we are writing the wills. We are including them, oh God. We are receiving them in love. Oh, Rabba Sata, open your mouth. Start to pray. For Rabba Sata, Rabaka. Claim them, claim them. See them all coming. See them coming. See them coming. See them coming. Una Rabba Sata, Rabba. Oh, Rabba Sheka, I declare this evening, oh God, that the suns are rising. In our FOC, oh God, the leaders are rising. That will serve God with their wealth. They are rising. They are rising. Oh, Rabba Satayaba. Eketerebo Shata. Oh, no, 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 no. See, Eketerebosa. Yerebo Katayabasa. Thank you for releasing the tongues of inspiration. Tongues of inspiration to do great and mighty works. In the business arena, with the ideas, I am a Katayabasa. Oh, Rabba Sete Rebosa. 
We are rising men and women of God. That you would miss at the word of God. Followed by signs, miracles, and wonders. Just like the test of Pentecost. It is happening again. It's happening again. It's happening again. Oh, you're a satire back. Oh, powerful God. We are powerful God. With God, all things are possible. I am a satire boss. Oh, God. Rent the heavens and come down. Hold the heavens and come down. I am a satire boss. Oh, I we thank you, my God, that in the days of our power, even as Pastor Tom have been sent to Zimbabwe, we will be willing, O oh God, to drive this vision, O oh God, building people to build the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, my God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Oh, come down. Restore the fathers, the sons, and the sons to their fathers. You are a generational God in the name of Jesus. We thank you, my God, that we believe and you partake of it. Every prodigal son is coming back home. Our eyes will see it. Like Simeon who said, I will not die until I see my Messiah. We thank you this evening, O oh God, that your promises are yes and amen. We have spoken it and will do it, O oh God. Even as his sons, we lift up our hands, O oh God, to support the men of God, the Aaron, the Huris, O oh God. They are raising up a God in the name of Jesus Christ. And all the saints say, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.